Welcome to this episode of the Medical Affairs Professional Society podcast series, Elevate. I'm your host, Garth Sundin, Communications Director at MAPS, and today we're speaking about clinical trial rescue sites with Ariel Katz, CEO of H1. This episode is sponsored by H1, whose platform helps life sciences companies, hospitals, academic medical centers, and health systems connect with providers, find clinical research, locate industry experts, and benchmark their organizations. So Ariel, we have chatted before, and I am excited to chat about rescue sites, which we have not chatted about before. And I was hoping maybe you could get us started. You know, it seems like with targeted treatments for smaller patient populations, everybody struggles, most people struggle with clinical trial enrollment. What is the traditional role of rescue sites? Yeah, um, good to be here again. Uh, excited to be here. So the first question is, why are we talking about this with medical affairs? It should be clinical, yeah. right? And <laughs> yes. uh, I'll start with that and I'll get into the role of rescue sites. So what we're seeing, I'd say at most life science organizations, pharma companies, biotechs, is medical affairs and MSLs are getting more and more involved in the selection of sites and principal investigators to run a clinical trial. Yep. I'm not, not just talking about phase four, I'm talking about like phase two, phase three, a clinical operations team wants to find a site and they're starting to go and tap on the MSL shoulder. For some companies, it happened forever. For certain companies, it's new. Um, and what the way it's being phrased and what I'm hearing is they're marrying the qualitative with the quantitative. Oh. So the, the quantitative is easy. It's the CRO who has statistics about where they ran successful trials, you might look at some tools or databases and be like, this is where patients are based off claims data. Yep. The qualitative is the good stuff. It's the MSL who literally was there last week talking to the nurse practitioner and the physician and said, here's the patients that are here. Here's where I'm struggling. Here's the therapies that could be useful. Here's the types of patients that I see. And you can't get that from statistics. That's a, a qualitative. And so we're seeing that marrying of qualitative, quantitative and qualitative, which is medical, medical affairs in this context. Well, that's interesting. I thought maybe we were going to be talking more about medical affairs running these clinical trials at rescue sites. And you're saying that maybe in addition to that, we're talking about medical affairs as an early collaborator in development. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, and we're seeing more and more and more of that. Specifically, MSLs basically selecting the sites that a trial should be run at uh, and being a really loud voice at the table. I spoke a lot about how medical affairs is no longer navigating the seat at the table. Everyone knows the seat. And this is one of the contributions that were not at all companies, but the trend that we're seeing is definitely them having a louder voice from happening at the top 10 pharma companies. Mm -hmm. I met with like three out of the top 10 last week, uh, SVP of medical affairs, who's talking about these things. Mm -hmm. um, they're talking about how their voice is getting more important in site selection and working with their clinical teams and at biotechs too, uh, like at earlier stage companies. Um, Okay. So site selection and, and, you know, usually you would like to find a site that uh, auto, you know, automatically or, or immediately has high <laughs> enrollment and uh, strong, clean data. And that doesn't always happen. And when that doesn't happen, where do we go from there? So when <laughs> uh, we talk about a rescue site, that means you pick the site that didn't work. You got to pick a new site so that uh, you could hit your enrollment numbers, so your trial completes on time, so you can bring your therapy to market. Yep. Uh, what is the role in medical affairs and specifically MSLs in doing so? They know where the patients are. They are in the field every single day. They're talking to 
investigators, uh, potential investigators. The other key thing that it relates to the trend happening in medical affairs and the trend happening in clinical operations. 10 years ago, medical affairs teams would talk to key opinion leaders, academic medical centers, top people. Today, it's changing. They're talking to community leaders, regional leaders, mm-hmm. like uh, people in the community, people using treatment, all these different different types of thought leaders, different types of stakeholders that medical affairs have. On the clinical side, they used to run their clinical trial at MD Anderson, and all they want to do now is move to the community because yeah. the patients exist there and they don't know how to tap them. Medical affairs are going through that same transition and they know where those patients are and they know who the physicians are that can become investigators that have not been investigators. So when you're trying to spin up a new site and a rescue site in this context, uh, the role of medical affairs is actually super important and having that voice and saying, here's where the patient population is. Here are the individuals to speak to. And so that's the role that we're seeing medical affairs start to play uh, around rescue sites. Now that's interesting. It almost seems like medical affairs could help expand the clinical trial site offerings you know, even outside the context of rescue sites, if we're moving more to the community anyway, and the MSLs know the community, are we only talking about rescue sites here? Or are we talking about the MSLs bringing treatments, you know, clinical trial treatments where they're needed? It's definitely the latter. Uh, and that's the qualitative. It's even, it's it's like a, the blind versus the qualitative. A lot of clinical oh, yeah. ops teams have never ran trials in the community. And all they talk about is I need a, uh, call it like, um, not native, not uh, naive, naive sites. And so yeah. there's a lot of naive sites, sites that have never ran a trial, but mm-hmm. have the facility, the patients and the invest and the physician and the care team to be able to run a trial. Mm-hmm. And the medical affairs team is aware of those um, locations to be able to do that. And so it, rescue sites is like, I have to do it really quickly. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to go call my MSL and be like, where should I do it? And so it's even more <laughs> pertinent uh, where they could just make the phone call instead of needing to depend on the CRO and get the survey and get the feasibility questionnaire and, and do all these things. They can just call up the medical affairs team who will answer the phone and they have the relationships and they know where those sites could be. Are, are CROs catching up in terms of data at all? Meaning that um, th- does it just happen that right now we're a little behind in being able to capture community sites or naive sites with data, but the CROs are going to catch up and this won't be a role for medical affairs in the future? Or do you see this being a future role as well? No, the CROs, they have no idea. Uh, like I, I, I was just had dinner with them. That in the nicest way possible. Yes. They've been, <laughs> but the, here's the thing. They know they have no idea and they want the help. So oh, cool. They, they, yeah, 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 so it's not like, yeah, I didn't mean that. In the, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, no, they want the help. They want the data. They want to know, like they want the input. They want their sponsors, okay. pharma companies in this instance, to share what sites that they're aware of. Yep. Uh, larger sponsors have more resources and larger medical affairs teams and have more insights into this. Smaller companies don't, and they rely more on the CRO. But the ideal is a marry between what the sponsor does and what the CRO knows because they all have they all have the unique experiences. CRO has experiences from working with other sponsors, working at more sites, yep. experience in certain sites and how that's worked there. Sponsor has a medical affairs team in the field every single day. They have their own data. And mm-hmm. so the combination is what works best. All right. Well, let's talk COVID for a sec because clinical trials changed a little bit in the last couple of years. And, you know, what, like you said, we used to run all our trials at MD Anderson and and the big cancer centers and where have you, what changes have you seen in terms of COVID for clinical trials? And I'm wondering if it's just harder to run a trial these days. Yeah. Uh, Yes. (laughs) To the second (laughs) question. The impact's been uh, amazingly large um, from the delays that we've seen around clinical trials, yeah. patients not coming to 
um, like participate. Uh, it's been it's like staggering what those numbers look like. Uh, that's one of the biggest changes. The other biggest change is the two years ago, no one was talking about decentralized trials. Now, every, only thing you could hear is decentralized trials, it's like doing trials outside of a hospital setting during COVID patients were literally not going to hospital settings unless they had COVID. Yeah. Um, and so you've seen accelerations and a pull forward of what the future looks like, which is like remote patient monitoring, decentralized clinical clinical trials. Um, and the delays, it's hard to see the delays impact immediately, but you're going to see the impact of trials will take longer. Uh, therapies will not come to market as quick um, yeah. because of what COVID did. And what I'm wondering is if there are just more need for rescue is, is there more need for rescue? Are some trials needing to, I don't know, pivot or adjust? Uh, it depends where now it's more like, what did the war in Ukraine do around rescue sites? And the answer is a lot of sites in Russia and Ukraine need, uh, I feel like COVID is uh, chapter two and now we're on chapter three of uh, why clinical trials can be delayed in 2022. <laughs> uh, well, not funny. Not funny. Not funny but like, yeah, so the first chapter was COVID. Second chapter would be uh, geopolitical changes happening in Europe and uh and Russia. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I think rescue is, people are now going more and more to hospital setting. There's less fear that I'm going to get COVID if I go to hospital. Um, but there were some disruptions to trials uh, that happened. It's happening because of the Russia-Ukraine conflict. Well, it's like medical affairs. You know, it's almost like we've talked about at MAPS recently uh, in terms of a personal uh, competency People are saying learning agility, learning agility, learning agility, and it's almost like uh, medical affairs is the agility function for pharma. Is it is it that because MSLs are in these communities, they can just help pharma pivot wherever it's needed, and that might be rescue sites? Yeah, uh, it's like uh, who before a drug launches has the relationship with a physician from a for representing a pharma company? Yeah. MSL to medical affairs and nobody else does. They're like the umbilical cord to the community. And if you're trying to find a site really quickly, uh, I would definitely want to tap on that more than anything else. And we're seeing that happen. Well, so how do we capture this? We've talked about the context now. Let's talk a little bit about the how-to. And, you know, it seems like one mechanism is the CRO reaching out to MedAffairs and saying, help, <laughs> where should I go? Um, is there also a role for insights here or, or how, how are you, how do you capture what MSLs know about, you know, community sites as a whole or other sites or non-traditional sites or decentralized sites? How do you capture that? So what we're starting to see with say a couple dozen companies that we partner with is the partnership between their clinical team and their medical team becoming a lot tighter sharing of information. There's no firewall. It's not like commercial, yeah. uh, thick firewall can't jump over it. Clinical. You want handshakes, you want hugs. It's, it's a very different relationship. And so the sharing of information between those two teams, the sharing of databases, the sharing of um, who MSLs are engaging with. Mm -hmm. What you also see is like a, a clinical team wants to tap on this potential investigator and they don't realize MSL is talking to them on a Tuesday. And so the sharing, <laughs> which literally happens, where someone in global is meeting them at ASCO. Uh, and so the sharing of information between medical affairs organization and clinical operations, feasibility teams is critical to enabling this. And it will lead to more successful sites because the MSL and the medical affairs team knows the qualitative uh, that the clinical team does not. <laughs> so it's not only one hand knowing what the other one's doing, but an actual handshake between the two, you know, and then are the MSLs, what I'm wondering is, I mean, how do you capture this? You talked about database sharing. We're not just talking about 
you know, your, 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 you know, your customer uh, database. Right. But, but how do you, how do you capture this information? Uh, I, I could just share from our personal experience. It's uh, we profile healthcare professionals, uh, having a central source to be able to view that this healthcare professional is being engaged with an MSL is also working on these three different trials and the clinical team is able to look in one place to know who medical is engaging with new clinicals trying to engage with has really built that bridge that didn't exist before medical's role in clinical development was, or clinical operations was smaller, but it, it was still hard to exist. And now we're seeing a lot of taps on the shoulder between colleagues, um, better collaboration, especially at these large top 20 pharma companies where it's yeah. like the right hand is probably not talking to the left hand most of the day. Hmm. All right. Well, so we're involving medical affairs earlier. We're getting them in with research and development. We're looking to decentralize trials, some of which might uh, be rescued due to the pandemic or geopolitical issues in Europe uh, and or other more targeted. It's just harder to find patients. So it'll be interesting to see how much clinical can lean on medical for this expertise in finding non-traditional trial sites going into the future. So let's leave it at there for today. Thanks, Ariel, for joining us. To learn more about how your organization can partner with H1, visit h1.co. MAPS members, don't forget to subscribe. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Medical Affairs Professional Society podcast series, Elevate.